it simple, really. Great stories with a good cup of tea. It's the Tea with Mike show. Please welcome back to the show, Jess Sidlowski, VP of Marketing Customer Experience and E-Commerce for PV Industry out of Red Deer, Alberta. Jess was last on the Tea with Mike show all the way back in 2019, and I believe it was like episode 12, so 150 episodes ago, roughly, which is like crazy that it's been so long, but excited to reconnect. So make sure you go dig through the archives for that episode. Jess is very active in the local community as an advocate and founder of a number of different charities and non-for-profit organizations in central Alberta. So Jess, welcome back to the show, man. How have you been? <laughs> Thanks. Well, hey, like you said, it's been a long time, 2019, and you told your fans to go back and listen to our first episode, but don't do that. Me and Michael had some serious tech challenges, and you know, I, I appreciated it at the time and being one of your very first guests. I thought it was awesome, Mike, because I've followed you for so long. But so let's let's clean the slate, and this will be our official first re-airing. <laughs> I love it, man. And you know, in your role working in marketing, you're always adapting and learning. And so in episode 12, I was still trying to figure out what was the best format for the show. Still learning. And I'm still learning like the best way to do it from a technological perspective. And I think the key message is to keep going and it'll get better over time versus being like, well, it didn't go very well. So that's like the end of that, right? You got to just go with the flow. I think even then, me and you, I mean, the problems were also on my end. I had moved into a new house. I was in the basement. The internet was spotty. But you just continue on, right? So even though we were struggling, I think we still got through the episode despite how terrible it was. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so for new listeners who don't know anything about you, could you briefly tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and how you've put yourself a frontline employee to a company executive. Yeah, yeah. For, for my career, I worked for PV Industries, which is the head office parent company of PV Mart stores, Main Street Hardware stores, and Ace Canada stores. We're Canada's largest farm and ranch retail chain, so we're coast to coast. Now we've got Ace Canada stores on the East Coast, all the way to Vancouver Island, new PV Mart's opening across the country. So I'm responsible for marketing, customer experience, and e-com. So anything that falls under those umbrellas, Mike, I've got a really solid team here that works for the company, but you're right. I did start 18 years ago working at a PV Mart store in Lloydminster, Alberta, and I did that in high school. And, and, you know, even though I went to college for different things, I was always there with PV and I grew with the organization and, you know, store operations and management district manager in Saskatchewan, Manitoba for a period. And then, you know, with continued education and learning today, I'm the vice president of marketing. And I got to say 18 years, I'm still having a blast, Mike. <laughs> that's awesome, man. And you definitely still look young. So that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, it's 18 years. I think a lot of people, you know, get bored and, and move on. And a lot of people do move on in roles. And that's okay, too. But I've been pretty fortunate here at PB Industries to continue to grow and learn and uh, evolve my not only my career, Mike, but who I am as a person. And I think it's just been a very cool opportunity for me. That's really awesome because often in the media you hear about a lot of people that are worth their way up from the bottom, but I would say that's more in like the States and stuff. So to hear it happening in like Canada and central Alberta is.
it is, you know, it's, it's, it is a success story that a lot of people like to talk about because it is rare, but it does happen. And, you know, my mission is, is now to, you know, to work with people that are on the front line, whether it's PV Mart or other companies and, and, and tell my story, because if you commit to something and you want to continue with your education and learning and growing, you know, retail is a great career. And there is a lot of retail head offices in the province of Alberta. And it, you know, it's not just retail, it's either marketing, e-commerce, buying, merchandising, but you can make a really good career out of retail. And I've been pretty fortunate. So this is a good subject to start off with. So do you have a couple of tips for somebody that's maybe looking to move up at like any level of their company? Like what, what did you do, especially like at the very beginning to help you start to climb the ladder, right? How did you get noticed, I guess? Yeah, well, I think first of all, you got to be authentic. And, and why I say that is you really have to like, you have to be honest with yourself because if you don't like the organization you work for, the company you work for, wanting to move up and and doing the steps you know is probably not in your best interest so first i guess align with an organization that speaks to your values pv mart has always done that for me a great canadian organization leadership who cared i happen to really like the lifestyle of what pv carries so i was always aligned early on so once you have that and once you have that personal connection with the organization and you're in and you want to grow then you have to chase it and so I wasn't going to wait around for opportunities in three, four, or five years. I made sure that you know that my loyalty, commitment, and and authenticity was recognized, and you know just going above and beyond and finding those programs early on. And I'm talking 18 years ago here when I was in store, like when our general manager at the time was visiting. If it was my my day off, I made sure to get on the schedule. Right? You gotta you gotta connect. You gotta get in front of people. You gotta build relationships because that's what business is. It's building relationships and and then access your company's tools. And if they don't have the tools, help them create the tools. And I think that that's always what got me excited about PV Mart was I got to help build a lot of those programs that exist today because there wasn't any. So yeah, I can talk about that forever, Michael. I, I just think you have to get in front of it. And if you want it, you have to chase it, but it's about building relationships. Fantastic. And so obviously the pandemic was a big factor for the last, let's say two, two and a half years. And Still, it's something that we need to be mindful of as we record this podcast. So how did COVID impact your role and your day-to-day operations at EV Industries? And how did you have to adapt the marketing strategy, the communication, and, and the brand messaging to kind of respond to the situation? Oh, I love this question. I, I honestly think that I'm going to write a book on it, and then maybe in the future somebody will find it interesting. The pandemic was just, it was ruthless for many businesses. And, you know, when it first started, I think more than it being a bit of a public nightmare for businesses, we were dealing with our own employees and and the, the way they thought about it. And I don't think anyone looking back would react the same way we uh, reacted to originally, but we had to take all precautions necessary, but emotions were at an all time high. Our, my emotions, the rest of the executive team, you know, our frontline team, and we had to kind of put everything in a ball and, and look at it from the outside going, well, what do we need to do first to take care of our employees? So that was, I mean, the most radical change for the organization. Now for marketing, we, we did the right thing very early on. We did not want to drive traffic to our stores, which is really crazy to say out loud as a retailer, because that's how we're in business. But we honestly, 
took our flyers out of the marketplace. We took everything out saying buy online only. We did that before we were mandated to because we wanted to control the foot traffic in our store. So we reacted extremely quickly. We were the, one of the first retailers in Canada to implement a curbside pickup strategy. And it was great because we got ahead of, we got ahead of most other, if not all retailers by putting out public statements very early on about why we were doing the things we were doing. We believed they were the right things. We asked our customers to be patient with us and other major retailers, you know, took some of that language and used it for their own uh, publications days later. So, you know, we got ahead of this thing. We communicated extremely early on and we were vulnerable. So I used the word authentic early on. We were completely authentic saying like, this might not be the right thing, but this is what our employees are asking us. This is what we're hearing from customers. This is what we're hearing from government. We're following all the rules that the governments are telling us to follow. But early on, there wasn't a lot of those rules from the government. We had to kind of come up with what we thought was best before there was actual mandates. So we just asked for forgiveness saying, we're going to do our best here. We understand not everyone's going to be happy with it, but this is why you know, we're encouraging that you don't come into the store. This is why we're encouraging you do curbside pickup. So it went from me being a marketer and doing great community fun events and activations and massive campaigns to being a public relations employee, that's it. So my whole marketing team shifted from like this incredible multi-verse team to public relations experts. Like that is all we did for a year is, is replied to customers on either side of the fence or put out statements or put out press releases we became PR people. And I got to say, I do love PR, but I never want to put another statement out for a pandemic. <laughs> Superman, how was it received by the customers? Was there a lot of resistance at the beginning, but then more understanding it as time progressed? Or it's, yeah. it, it's, it's so fascinating because I have such empathy for for everybody, no matter where they fit the spectrum around something like COVID, because everybody believes something so different and, and, and will never, as a country, be fully aligned. And as a retailer, we aren't political at all. We, we have no political affiliation. We are a company for everybody, and we want to make sure everyone knows that they're welcome at PV Mart, no matter their political stripes, race, gender, or otherwise. Everybody is welcome at PV Mart. Through the pandemic, though, we, we had hate mail from, you know, I say hate mail. We had a lot of concerned customers that we weren't doing the best to our ability but I promise you we were, I mean, we took it extremely serious, but what we learned through the pandemic is voices became more polarizing and we had to, I don't know how to say this the best way, but with that PR and with that lens, we had to make sure that people understood that, you know, we were doing the best thing and we weren't just saying we were, you know, and if some, if we did something wrong, we quickly fixed it. We replied, replied in public forums that we were doing things differently and learning from our mistakes, but we had to manage a lot of emotions, just like, just like I had emotions and you had emotions. So did our customers. We recognized that, but it was quite divisive for organizations. And, you know, you saw it a lot, you know, even here in Red Deer, local businesses being attacked unfairly about, you know, things that they were doing or not doing. And it felt like you were never good enough from one side or the other. But then I think at the end of the day, we recognized that the majority of people were actually in the center somewhere and just appreciated, you know, businesses that were trying their best. So, you know, if we were to go back and redo things, 
I'm not sure that we would change anything. I, I feel very confidently that we did the right things for our employees and for the customers. And, you know, we got a lot of learning from that, but yeah, it was exhausting. And, you know, as a marketer, you got to also, you know, it's about emotions and it's about those connections. So I don't know. I won't elaborate further on it. It was exhausting. <laughs> and there you go. That's you being honest. And that, that's truly yeah. like, how, like how you feel, right? So that's authentic yeah. and, that, and that's really good. So I wanted to ask you quickly, because PV has a very like strong online presence. The company as a whole, right, got into e-commerce and like website sales, like early on as it came into the industry. So did you notice like a lot more people like using that service? Yeah. And yeah. Did you have to like yeah. teach people how to use it? Like t talk a little yeah. bit about that. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's a cool question, Michael. I don't think I've been asked that one before. So we we had e-commerce at PV Industries for decades, but the pandemic certainly drove a lot of new customers to using e-commerce, specifically in provinces like Ontario, where the restrictions were a lot longer than in other provinces. Curbside pickup and online shopping was heightened extremely. So, you know, interesting you asked the question, did we have to teach people? We were absolutely teaching consumers how to use e-commerce. And we, we had, we had to do that. And, and, and it was actually a topic of many internal conversations of, Hey, you know, we have to be more helpful with these. So we actually, a lot of our stores that couldn't open were taking phone calls, walking customers through how to shop online. We had people in our parking lots that would come to the store, but couldn't come in based on government mandates. They would phone and the people would say, hey, get on your phone. We're going to walk you through how to buy this online. We'll bring it right out to your car. And so we we turned into an army of e-commerce associates, which was really cool because it allowed people to get a really quick training on how to be rock stars with e-commerce and customer education around e-commerce. And so I love that question because this is, again, something we will never forget in our organization. What we're seeing now, Michael, though, in Canada as a whole in the industry, uh, e-commerce has flattened out, which we predicted it would because the stores have reopened. So e-commerce in Canada, it wasn't, it's not growing like it was the last two years through the pandemic. Market-wise, it'll continue to grow. E-commerce has a you know exponential future, but it has leveled out since the last two years of the pandemic. And I mean, it makes sense, right? You're going back to the store and you're buying things in person again. So our stores get a little bit more of a breather now of dealing with, you know, customers in store as well as e-commerce versus just e-commerce. Awesome. And then for you personally, as a working professional in the marketing space, did you learn any new skills working through the pandemic? And then I know we touched on it briefly, but were there any big challenges about your job specifically in a leadership position? Yeah, I mean, maybe I'll start there. Yeah, I think that the biggest challenge through the pandemic was in those very early months where, you know, like I said, emotions. And so the biggest challenge, and maybe not even a challenge, but it was emotion. I like, I'll just be honest with you. There was days where, you know, our executive gr group, we, we, we cried together. Like you, are we doing the right thing? What do we need to do for our employees? Uh, but we got a lot of feedback from our employees on what they wanted us to do. And we couldn't do everything, obviously, as a business that, you know, certain individuals asked us to do. But I think it was challenging to 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 just have that many emotions at once and trying to figure out what was the best thing to do. So that for me was more challenging than the marketing and the PR and the communication and the pivoting. I mean, 
that's all stuff now that as a marketer, you're just used to pivoting anyways. I mean, you could have a new promotion starting tomorrow and a different department wants something different. Like we're just used to that type of work. So I think it was more challenging to deal with the human capital side of the organization and making sure we were doing the best thing for people because we're a company that cares. It's in the fabric of our organization and we take those things to heart. And so, you know, challenging, not in a bad way, just challenging as in, you know, are we doing the right thing? And then what was the first part of that question, Mike? Just kind of any new skills oh, that, yeah. that you learned. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. I, you know, I think maybe sharpen my skills. I maybe overuse the word authenticity, Michael, but not everything has to be scripted. And, and PV Mart is still the size where that's how we operate. And, you know, a lot of other organizations did highly scripted public relations stunts and, and used very, very different wording. We just spoke from the heart. And I think it was a really good exercise, actually, you know, for our consumers to identify with us as a brand. And it built trust with our consumers. It, it opened the door to new consumers. Like we grew the customer base through the pandemic because we just spoke from the heart and we were super authentic and tra transparent. So I think, you know, sharpen those skills for sure. And then validated that that's who we want to be as an organization. So I think that that was pretty cool. Awesome. So the real question is, do you prefer working at the office or remotely and why? Well, I'm here at the, at the office today. Our organization was super cool. You know, when people were coming back to the organization, we're doing a hybrid approach right now. Most positions only have to work in the office two days a week, and then the, the rest can be remote, which is awesome. You know, I, I am so appreciative of PV's leadership on things like that because a lot of my employees did want to work more remote or more hybrid, and we respected that, which was super cool that we did that early on. Me personally, Mike, I, I just, well, I love what I do, and I could be anywhere, I guess, but I like being here in the office, and it's not, it's just about you know, culture and engagement. And so most of my team, if I look out of my window right now, most of them are working from home today. Like I said, they only have to be here two days a week. There's a couple of people that always want to be here, right? So it left the door open for a personal choice, but there is people that are here five days a week. And I wanted to be here as a leader to be with those people. And my door is always open, but I just love the atmosphere of our office. I like not having to make my own coffee at home also. So, <laughs> and the drive, the drive in the morning, it's what I need for my own personal motivation. You know, I like to get up super early, shower, read some news articles, and then come to the office around 6.30 in the morning. I got to tell you, through the pandemic, working from home, I was I started the day the same, but it, I didn't have the same energy about my day. And I think it was, it's a personal decision, but I like being here at the office. Awesome. Okay, so... In your bio, you obviously mentioned that you're very active in the community, obviously as an advocate of various like, charities and organizations, and that you founded several societies and also president of some others. And obviously you've been recognized by your employer, your community, and also the provincial government for your commitment to serving others. So can you tell us a little bit more about some of the charities and organizations that you're involved with, and how do you decide which ones to give your time to? Oh, look at you and all these great questions. This is fun. I don't know what it is. I think my, my mother likely instilled this behavior into me early on, but I was raised to always do something for others or give to others or help others. Like my mom was doing it all the time and she didn't have a lot herself. She is a single mother, but yet I always saw her 
building something, baking something, or giving something to someone else. And so I think early on, I started doing that myself as a kid. I would help seniors in my town do yard work for free. And, and you know, if I got tipped, at, you know, I would go buy them rose bushes and, and silly things like that, nice. just because I like helping people. But, you know, moving to Red, moving to Central Alberta, I'm not from here. I'm from Saskatchewan. And I moved here at a young age. So PV brought me over here when I was 21. And I didn't know anybody. I first lived in Lacombe. And, and this was my way of meeting people with similar interests. And so I thought, well, this is easy. I mean, all these organizations need help. I have no friends here. I'm going to go help and see if I can meet some people along the way. So that's what I did. And I didn't, I haven't stopped doing it since because Red Deer is one of those communities that I, there's got to be some studies on it, but the amount of giving per capita has got to be one of Canada's best. Red Deer is one of the most generous cities that I've had the, the pleasure of being in. These people just give, give, give. And I wanted to be a part of that. So I was president for the Women's Outreach and Suicide Information and Prevention here in Red Deer. I created 100 Men Red Deer many, many years ago. It still exists today. It's still going strong, which is, you know, proud for me not being involved at that level anymore, but proud for me to see that something I built is still going. And over the years, initiatives that we've done in the community have helped raise hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so it's just, it's it's a good way to build connections and build community. I think it's just about making the place you live better. So I, I'm looking for new ones right now, actually. I just applied to be a mentor with a youth HQ here in town. So we'll see how that goes. Awesome. I hope they accept you because I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure you all would add a lot to, to the role. Thanks. So do you kind of want to expand on like why volunteering in the community is so important to you and maybe even why other people should consider volunteering? What are some of the benefits maybe to volunteering? Yeah, yeah. well, I, I mean, it's it's important to me, I think, for all those reasons of giving back to the place you live. I think we can all complain a lot when we look at things we don't like or we disagree with something the, you know, civic politicians have done or the provincial politicians of the government like we can forever find something not to like that doesn't align with our personal values but if we're not going to try ourselves to make the places we live better then you know it doesn't sit well with me i think we have to be out there in the community and we have to try to to make it a better place for everyone and michael there's a lot of people in red deer that need help and support there's there's new canadians there's homeless individuals there's people of domestic violence and abuse. There's children that are in poverty and families that are in poverty. Poverty, And, you know, these people, I mean, I was one of those people growing up. So any little help and support I think we can give people just by our own doing is, is how we build community. But also it's just being a good human being. And so the benefits, I mean, are are helping others first and foremost that's why we do these things and and then you know like i said earlier on we can possibly make friendships out of it and i would say safely that 10 of my favorite people in the city of red deer are people i've met through charity events and have become and remain friends today so i think we should i think everyone should do it and i think that it's great for character building if you're a young person wanting to look into helping others again do it for the right reasons but i think it builds character you can learn a lot as well a lot of these organizations will teach you really important skills public speaking skills networking still skills and some even have the opportunity to for you to build things so i just think you're going to learn some great skills by giving back to the community and if you have time i think everyone should do it 
Awesome. So today's key fact for the episode is in the Himalayas, it is not uncommon to add butter to your milk and tea. It is believed that the fat and salt will help keep you better hydrated at that altitude. And that comes from Lipton.com. So always interesting to see what you can learn about tea. Well, hey, you see on the board behind me, I did that for you. I My favorite tea is Indian chai. And it's funny that you just brought up that fact about tea. When I was in the Himalayas visiting a city called Mussoorie, it's in it was in the, the high ups in the Himalayas, beautiful, beautiful remote village. And it was cold there, so I loved it. And they drank chai tea, but it was it was heavily produced with a fat or butter substance, and probably for the reasons you just said. So super cool fact for today. <laughs> And that's super cool because we didn't plan this, but it was a script and you had a story that backed up my two facts. So that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, completely unscripted. That's awesome. Well, and it's, that's, you know, it's Indian chai is my favorite tea and it's got to be for the same reason. I mean, it was, it was drank everywhere in India, even where, where it's hot, but I do recall this cold village. It just seemed like that's all a nonstop. So I think I had maybe six in one day and it was wonderful. No, so recently I started mixing up the tea that I was drinking. So right now I'm drinking like green tea with a with a spot of honey. And part of that reason is because I lost my voice recently. And so obviously green tea has a lot of health benefits. But I'm actually, on the flip side, I'm actually appreciating a little bit of a change, you know. So maybe I'm going to try and like switch it up more often, just depending on how I feel. Last night... After supper, I made a big pitcher of tea, and it was peach green tea, or some kind of peach tea. But I don't like hot liquids very often, so I actually cold brewed it. No sugar, no additives, and then I threw in a load of ice, and that is my go-to drink, is is cold iced tea, the American style with no sugar. I loved it, and it was, uh, I'll get you the package, Michael, it's, so it's a great tea. Definitely want to try that. So when you're volunteering for different charities, nonprofit organizations, what are some of the challenges that you've faced in, in, in volunteering in whatever capacity? And how has your marketing skills helped you in some of those roles? I'll talk about the boards where I've been president. And I think one of the biggest challenges with most not-for-profits or charities is, is funding, whether it's fundraising, granting from governments or government funding or big corporate donations. It's it's increasingly difficult. And the unfortunate part is, is when, when times are tough, and say we're in a recession, people have less to give, but that's when organizations like that need it more. So it's, it's kind of a catch-22. The, the years where it's tougher for everyone is the years where more people need those services and funding is usually less. So we've had some very difficult years, organizations like that, and the marketing question is fascinating because those that's where my mind always goes okay well we've always done this and this is how much we raised doing this things things fizz out after a while and you know you'll know this by seeing all of 10 years ago it was walks every organization had a walk the last six years five years it became runs the the mud runs or the fun runs the color runs but everything runs its course no pun intended, because everyone starts to do these things because they're fun and they can fundraise from them. More than ever, not-for-profits and charities have to be more innovative, I think, with the, innovative with their marketing approach and come up with 
newness to it. And you'll see that. I mean, there was a lot of learnings from Movember, which donated money to Prostate Cancer Canada through the, the mustache fundraiser. And that's still going strong. But you can see now that Prostate Cancer Canada has come out with Plaid for Dad, which is a new, exciting, fun initiative that people can participate in. So, you know, I think that no matter if you're a large Canadian charity or not-for-profit or one of the local ones, you have to be innovative and every five years, you have to come up with new programs because to get people to fundraise, they also have to participate. It builds awareness and it's all about marketing to get that funding. So cool question, Mike. And I think that, you know, that maybe that's where I'll go help uh, not-for-profits in the future. If anyone needs ideas, I have a hundred useless ideas in my, uh, in my book next to me here. And I'm sure one of them's worth something. So. No, I mean, maybe I should find one of these things to like participate in, but I've always like looked at it and I'm like, whoever's doing the, the fundraising or the, or the grant writing, I'm like, what a difficult job, right? You know, like, like you mentioned, like the people need the money the most in the most challenging times, but that's when everyone or the majority of people have the least to give in. So I got a lot of respect for people like that because I'm like, I could never do it. I don't think I could think fast enough. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I, I'm yeah. with you, man. I could not never be in that role. First of all, I don't like to be, I don't like the, the public rejection day after day. After. You are a very strong person if you're in that role. And so, yeah, all my respect and kudos goes to people that are in fundraising roles because it is a challenging role to be in. And it's also tough because there's all the other charities and organizations going after the same pot of money, right? The, the one down the street, the one like that's two right. streets over. And that's just as challenging. You know, I spoke like, I don't know how many years ago, but the Red Deer County had me out to speak. And I, I said this then, I often find that, you know, we need to give more consideration to consolidation of groups and charities, because there's a lot of wonderful charities that do a lot of wonderful things, but then you see new charities pop up. And, you know, my comments always, there doesn't always need to be a new charity if somebody's doing that work already, because competing interests for funding and money is not going to win at the end of the day. So I think just... You know, for anyone that goes, oh, I have a great idea for a charity or initiative, like never stop wanting to have those great ideas. But often we can use trusted organizations already that are offering those services because it is more challenging for them to get the funding that they need. And if we're offering the same services and can help the same people, we should try to do less competition with each other and more working together and, and consolidation of how we can better serve the community by working together. So I think, you know, just add that in there for you. A fantastic little gem. So we're talking a lot about community and charity and non-for-profit. So what's the most challenging thing about advocating for the overall community and kind of why? Yeah, I, well, I love Red Deer. I like single-handedly make it my mission to try to get everyone I meet across Canada to move to Red Deer. And I'll, I'll say it very proudly that I believe that people, the community of Red Deer has more opportunity than, than likely anywhere else in the country. I mean, we have a better cost of living. There's good jobs here. It's a beautiful city with great parks. It's great for raising a family. Like our city is beautiful and it, it's, and the people here are wonderful and some of the nicest people anywhere. So, you know, I think one of the, the biggest challenges uh, with advocating for community and, and, you know, specifically maybe Red Deer is people only hear with what they see in the media and, and, Good news stories don't make national news. 
you know what I mean? You you hear of the bad news stories from every city in Canada, and that's all you hear from them all the time. Unless you're a major center with a major event. So Red Deer being the size of the city it is with 100,000 people, it's a city with great heart and everyone, I mean, we've had some amazing events like the Canada Winter Games. You know, the world juniors here were briefly at the PV Mart Centrium before COVID shut it down again. And I think what we need to do is we just, it's about marketing, Michael. We need to make sure that we are telling these stories further out than our community because community builds community. And I think the more people hear these good stories, the more people want to be involved and want to help and participate. And so, yeah, I think that that's, that's all I'll say on that. I think we just, it's challenging to tell the good stories. So I encourage people on social media to do just that and tell those great stories, share it with your friend circles. And let's just, let's just stop telling the bad stories. Let's stop spreading the stuff that doesn't make people happy. And let's focus on the positive that comes out of uh, communities like Red Deer uh, and the initiatives that people are a part of. So there we go. (laughs) Excellent. And so what's a memorable story that you can share with us about an experience that you had while volunteering and maybe how it, how has it impacted you? Hmm. That's a great question, Michael. You're, you're, you're pulling out the, the tough ones today. And, you know, since I didn't get these ahead of time, you're really making me think, which is great, by the way, nice organic chat with you. I think, I think for me, you know, when I first moved to Lacombe in 2011, I worked with Big Brothers Big Sisters in Lacombe. And I was paired up with Young Boy, which was great for me. And in a way, you know, moving there, I was missing my nephew a lot and I couldn't see him. And I was like, well, there, you know, maybe I can make a difference in someone else's life that, that needs that relationship. And so got paired up with a great little guy and we had just so much fun. You know, we hung out once a week and he introduced me to so many cool things in Lacombe. I think I remember him taking me to the sushi place in Black Falls saying, this is the best sushi anywhere. And I looked at him, you know, this eight-year-old boy and I go sushi I'm from Saskatchewan like I I have not ate sushi before moving to Alberta and here in central Alberta I'm going to find the world's best sushi okay let's try it out so he took me to the sushi place and like I don't know what to compare it to but he was right it was phenomenal but I got to explore central Alberta through his eyes and the magic that he saw in little things you know he introduced me to the Red Deer Rebels and uh, we went to our first game together and it was just such a cool experience that I got to take as much out of the relationship as hopefully he did getting to experience what made him excited and we built this great bond in a very quick time and that I think was probably one of my favorite experiences in in giving back and you know I I heard from someone who knows this this young man and he is apparently bigger than I am and he's this big football uh, player now. And, and it's, uh, I can't even imagine to be honest, cause this was so many years ago, but you know, growing up to be a great guy. And I think that that's, you know, for me, that was the job. So. Awesome. So I've been following you on social media for quite some time. I know that you love to travel outside of your professional and community commitments. So what are some local places in central Alberta that people should visit? Oh, that's fun. Okay, here's a here's, here's a cool one that I'm not sure many people are going to know. So there's a little ghost town in central Alberta. It's about an hour and change south of Red Deer, and it's called Rowley, Alberta. So I hope I'm not butchering this. Yeah, Rowley. 
they have in the summer once a month, they open up a kitchen where the locals from the area come in and, and make pizza. So you order your pizza and the town is just free random camping because it's a ghost town. So once a month, this town fills up with hundreds and hundreds of trailers and tents and campers and people having looking just for the greatest time ever. And then you line up to get your pizza and everyone, it's like a mass production of pizza from these wonderful, amazing locals and you pay for it. And there's just people eating pizza all over this little town. And then there's a saloon there, Michael, that has dust, dirt floors and they open it up. It, it's like a building that it's, it's abandoned, I guess, in a sense, but they open it up. It's safe enough to be in and they, they serve up some great beers and whatnot. And it is just the coolest experience that I think I've had anywhere in the world right here in central Alberta and everybody going. Yeah. I think I went the first time and I have friends that I still talk to from just meeting there at that event people from all walks of life. There was reporters there. There was executives for large companies, just pulls in all these people. And that's the great thing about rural Alberta. It's such a melting pot with generosity at its finest. And it was a, the most fun ever, Michael. So that it has to be on everyone's list. Look it up, Raleigh Pizza, and and go experience it once if you can. It's It's a long wait to get that pizza, but boy, is it worth it. <laughs> I'm definitely going to go try that. That sounds like a bunch of fun. And I don't even like pitching a tent or any of that. But I'm still going to give it a go. <laughs> you can just go for the drive for the day then. Um, but you'll see the experience. Like there's grain elevators that are still there. And there's people tenting right under them. And there's a field over here. And there's people tenting over there. And there's an old train station, which they've kept in really good quality over the years. So just uh, it's just a cool experience. Nice. And so as the world kind of opens up internationally, where would you like to visit and why? Well, that's a, another cool question. I mean, that's all, that's all I think about. I'm looking at a sign across my office that says, I just want to go on more adventures and nice. be around good energy. And so, yeah, I, I'm in university right now, Michael, also. So my, my schedule is pretty heavy after work and on weekends. But I think one of the things that I'll do when I'm finished school is take my family to, to a really fast paced Europe trip. And I'm talking like train city, train city next day, train city next day, and, and do Europe for two weeks and just do a very fast paced version of, you know, seeing and experiencing and tasting all of these European uh, countries. And, you know, it was a dream of mine to go to Ukraine and, and see if I could find some of my family that's where my family immigrated from originally is Ukraine and Poland. And so that was on the list originally. And, you know, hopefully the, the crisis and the war in Ukraine, you know, finishes soon so that we can go support Ukraine when they're through this and, and bring the livelihood back to those people. So I would love to add Ukraine to that list uh, if possible and, and when I'm finished school. So. Excellent. I obviously know from what you share on social media and I'm sure there's a lot that, more that you uh, obviously keep private obviously i know you do a lot of traveling and it's no hidden secret that traveling is kind of expensive and so uh, what what are three travel hacks people can use to make their budget stretch further okay so shameless plug well actually no i won't give the plug but my my wife is part-time travel she owns her own travel agency and so big secret number one but i will say 
reach out to a travel agent. I mean, everybody knows somebody who's a travel agent and there's some great ones here in central Alberta. Reach out to a travel agent because it doesn't cost you any more. But what it does is it opens up deals and discounts that they have that aren't given to the public. And in many cases, aren't even given through those major internet platforms. Travel agents can likely get you a better deal than you're seeing online. And it doesn't cost you as the traveler any more money, but you're also supporting a travel agent because they're often making money from the organizations at the time of booking. So really, even if you're paying the same as what you could do yourself, use a travel agent because you are supporting somebody in the industry and it doesn't cost you a penny. So that's, that's the hack number one. You know, hack number two is things like uh, Airbnb, Tiro, all of these wonderful things where you can get, uh, well, you know, it used to be probably a lot more of a discount, but it's kind of closing the gap now where some hotels are actually nicer and cheaper. So I think for us, Michael, we let budget dictate travel, which is not for everyone. And what I mean by that is, Several years ago, we got an email saying flights to Spain this October, $299 round trip from Canada, like 300 bucks. So we weren't planning on traveling, nor were we planning on going to Spain, but we booked it because the opportunity came up. So we don't pre-plan like, hey, we're, we want to go here this year. We look kind of all over the map going, hey, it is super cheap here for some reason. And that's travel hack number two, I guess, if you're comfortable with it. Let budget dictate travel, not vice versa. And then third, I think, is, is well, and this is not for everyone, and nor I think put a disclaimer on the bottom of your screen here because we don't like to go to resorts and we kind of like to stay off the beaten path in Nicaragua, Costa Rica, Roatan. We booked in little communities away from the major centers, and it probably saves you 75%. I mean... We ate at the local restaurants where you could get a massive plate of plantain salad, white fish, potato, your Coca-Cola, your whatever else for $4 Canadian. And I think travel hack number three is to go off the beaten path. So one, use a travel agent if possible for flights and stuff. Two is let budget dictate your travel. And three is go off the beaten path. And that is how, Michael, I travel for cheap. And so I would say that in most cases, we save like 75% on doing those three things. And, and I guess it's why we travel a little bit more because we just go with the flow when there's an opportunity to do so. Nice. And that's why I wanted to ask you, because I see that you do like a lot of traveling locally and even internationally before the pandemic. So I was curious to know if there was any secret sauce yeah, I mean, Spain for 300 bucks, Michael, like, how do you say no to that? And eating the best food ever in Honduras for $4. I mean, there's, there is, there's ways where you can travel on a budget. And I also respect and acknowledge that that's still out of stretch for a lot of people. And, you know, I guess if you're, there's good opportunities if you're willing to go off the beaten path a little bit. And I want to acknowledge that, you know, Michael, I, I am privileged as well. And, and so that's not lost on me, but yeah, it's, it's part of, you know, I think the fabric of my family, it's just really important to us that we spend money on experiences where we spend mon maybe money on less other things here. So. We've definitely established that you're very busy between professional commitments volunteering, family, and then obviously further education. So what, what do you do to kind of look after your physical and 
mental well-being on a daily basis? Physical, I think it like for many people, it's a love-hate relationship. And, you know, I I am forever exploring new things to challenge myself with, you know, most recently intermittent fasting along with exercising. And and well, again, this is not health advice, Michael, and put that disclaimer, the virtual disclaimer, it worked really well for me. And as a like you said, busy person, I'm not going to use it as an excuse. I find myself sufficiently busy. We, you know, I don't stop for breaks at work, nor do I have a lunch break and I haven't in two years, but that's my choice for whatever reason that works for my mind and my body. I like to power through my day and then I like to eat when I get home from work. And it has really worked for my, for my mental health as well. And again, that is not, that is not medical advice at all. It is what works for me. And, and my body seems to have reacted to it very well. And so I feel really good. I feel better than I have in years. It's water and black coffee or, or black tea until 3 p.m. usually. And so that's easy for me because you get to power through your day. And then, you know, you have the energy to do some physical activity when you get home. And for me as a dad, I'm not running to the gym. I'm just out with my son as much as possible in the backyard or with his little bike and and some days are less some days are more but i really like to spend my energy at home when i have it and and mental health i think that helped me with my mental health is is you know through the pandemic and and everything like that is being home more often that was really important to me to begin with so that is a piece of the pandemic that i did enjoy i loved every single day of being with my my wife and my son and i have I'll miss that, to be honest. Um, I loved it, Michael. I loved being home and focusing on my my family, my yard, and my house. And I think for me, that really helped me with my mental health and, and continues to because we're still not traveling as much as we were pre-pandemic. And that's what motivates me every day. So, Awesome. And so what would you say is the most important thing that you've learned along your overall journey so far? And then what's kind of one piece of advice that you would like to give to somebody listening to this episode? That's a big question. (laughs) I think stopping to smell the roses in whether it's your home life, your school life, your high school life, your, your, your career. And, you know, if I was to go back to high school, Michael, and, and, you know, you, you often hear of, kids or teenagers that get bullied and in Canada, you know, suicide rates uh, amongst teenagers is higher than it should be. It's, it's, it's higher amongst all categories and it should be obviously, but you know, in high school, I was still figuring life out like many people, but there was a lot of people that had it figured out that knew exactly where they wanted to go, what career path or education path. And they maybe had financial support from family, but not everyone has that opportunity and not everyone knows where they want to go. And I guess, you know, if this is my opportunity, Michael, through your podcast to tell the world, I would just say that um, just slow down and, and, and smell the roses. And what I mean by that is it's okay not to know what you want to do in your life, to learn it along the way, to continue learning as much as you can throughout your life, because what you're meant to do is what you're, you'll end up finding. I truly believe that. Like, don't force it. It's okay to not know. It's okay to not be where other people are around you. It's okay not to do the things you see other people doing. And then just be kind to everybody through the process, but be kind to yourself, actually. Um, 
my my boss and my mentor, you know, has said that to me several times this year, you know, when I've been very hard on myself because I wanted to do something different or should have done something different. And he says, be kind to yourself, like just stop and be kind to yourself. And it just snaps you back, Michael, because I think it's like very genuine that we're very hard on ourselves as people, uh, whether it's from high school to your career to community work or everything in between. We're extremely hard on ourselves. We're probably harder on ourselves than anyone else's. And so that language resonates with me. And I'm trying to use that now to other people when I talk is just be kind to yourself. And it's okay to not have everything figured out and then do what makes you happy. And as corny as that sounds, because we hear it all the time, I think just be kind to yourself. So that's that's my advice. And I got it given to me recently and I loved it. So fantastic. And and so what's kind of next for you, both personally and professionally? Yeah, wow. Well, I plan to retire with PV Industries. Uh, that might sound crazy, but I've been here 18 years. I can't see myself going anywhere else. I love this organization and I love the people that work with me and I love who I work for. And so I want to just continue to grow at PV. I mean, or stay in the role I'm in, but evolve it because there's so much opportunity in marketing and marketing is an evolution every single day. Nothing stays the same. You know, most people actually don't understand what, you know, marketing roles always entail. There's so much to marketing and it's evolving faster than it's ever evolved before. And it's fascinating. And I just, you know, I love being on that ride and that journey of learning and constantly seeing what we can do as a Canadian retailer in the marketing space. So no shortage of work for me or the people on my marketing team, that's for sure. And then personally, you know, I'm in getting my master's right now and that'll continue to help me here at PV Industries. But I also think it's just increasing the capacity of myself and, and figuring out, you know, what I want to be in the community or how I can help others. And, you know, perhaps down the road, that's me offering consultation, whether it's marketing, e-commerce or, or not-for-profits and charities with the experience I have. Uh, through my learnings and, and fundamentals there. But, you know, I don't have that planned, Michael. I think that I'm at a really good place in my life with family, work, and education that I haven't really thought of the future, to be honest, and I'm okay just being here today um, and just getting through my day-to-day because -day I'm having a ton of fun and uh, life is great. So, you know, maybe ask me in a few years when I'm done my master's and I'll, I'll decide then, you know, where I want to be when I grow up or what I want to do. But right now I'm 100% okay today. And uh, there's definitely nothing wrong with that. If, you, if you've got a good balance and you're having fun, that is, without sounding corny too, that is kind of the purpose of life, right? That's so, right. Yeah. I, I, I won't say that I mastered the purpose of life because that's very, uh, that's, that's a stretch for sure. But I'm trying to and I'm having a lot of fun doing it. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for being on this podcast episode and reconnecting. It's been a blast. Yeah. Hey, thanks, Mike. This was great. I'm, I'm happy to have the invite and it's always good to talk to you anyway. So I appreciate the hour of banter with you. I love it. Okay, everybody. This was another great episode of the Tea with Mike show with Jess Sadlowski. Make sure you check out all of the other great stories from people all over the world at uh, teawithmike.com and on all major podcasting platforms. Thanks, Jess. It's the Tea with Mike show.